All right, welcome to ibletuddy.net. Uh, today, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about the topic of forgiveness and uh, taking a close look at what the what the scriptures teach us about forgiveness and, um, you know, what we have in Christ as far as that goes. So um, we're just going to dig right in and we'll start with uh, a passage in Hebrews to get the get the study started. We'll actually be looking at a few different sections of, uh, of Hebrews, and then we're going to get into other passages that support it, because uh, the, the Hebrews tells a, a really clear story of the forgiveness issue um, and, and how, how forgiven we are as Christians. So let's go ahead and dig in. So Hebrews uh, chapter 10, uh, we're, we're starting with verse 8. Um, it reads, when he says above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor did you take delight in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he says, here I am, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first to establish the second. By his will, we have been made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every, every priest stands day after day serving and offering the same sacrifices again and again, sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, he sat down at the right hand of God, where he is now waiting until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are made holy. And the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after saying, This is the covenant that I will establish with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts, and I will inscribe them on their minds. Then he says, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no longer. Now where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Uh, so we got a lot in that passage, a, a whole lot to look at. And uh, you got about 12 questions here that we're going to go through in this passage. And the first one would be in Hebrews 10, verse 10. Um, have we been made holy? Yes. Yeah. It says, by, by his will, we have been made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So how have we been made holy, according to what I just read? his death on the cross yeah through the the offering of the body of jesus christ so he offered himself as a sacrifice and uh how many how many times did he offer himself once once and how many times would you need to ask for forgiveness if that was the requirement if you uh if you had to ask for your forgiveness in order to get it how many times would you have to ask Kind of a trick question. If, if he hadn't yeah. made that sacrifice, you'd be asking over and over again, you know, and, yeah. you know, that was kind of the basis of the law and the sacrifices. They were done over and over again. It was a perpetual thing. But he, he did it once and for all, right? right? So how much did his sacrifice cover, according to, to that passage? Did it cover some of it or all of it? All of it. It says it right there. You know, it, it was it was once for all. It's pre made pretty clear by that passage. So, how often do the priests offer sacrifices? According to this, all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in verse ten, eleven, it says, "And priests, and every priest stands day after day, serving and offering the same sacrifices again and again." And you could say again and again and again and again. Sacrifices that can never take away sins. So they offered them perpetually all the time. And did they take away sins? No. No, they, they covered over them. You know, they, they it's how they described it in the Old Testament. They covered over the sins. So it's kind of like a... A temporary reset right you know they they uh they spent the, you know the whole year building up feeling guilty and then they got this reset this relief like ah 
I feel better. And, and then they started counting again, <laughs> being counted against them all over again. So how much time did they, they really have to, to relax and rejoice in their forgiveness? Maybe, <laughs> maybe an hour, maybe a day at most. Yeah. <laughs> the minute they walk out. Yeah. Yeah. Practically. As soon as they walk out of there, something happens. I mean, you would have to, to stop existing, to stop sinning. <laughs> So um, according to verse 10, 12, um, how far into the past and future did Jesus Christ's sacrifice go? Infinity forever. Yeah, I mean, it says for all time, for all time. So if you were going to look at all time, you'd have to go all the way back into the past and all the way forward into the future. You would have to span the entire, the, uh, the whole time, <laughs> all of it. Right? <laughs> right? Right. So how many of your sins were in the future when this happened? How many, when Jesus died on the cross, how many of your sins were in the future? All of all. them. Yeah, all of them, right? I mean, unless you were 2,024 years old or more, <laughs> you'd have to go back quite a ways. You'd be one year old then. <laughs> But, uh, well, you know, from his, from his birth on, but anyhow, you know, you'd be, you'd be old, you know, so all of our sins were in the future. And so he said he covered them once and for all. And if all of our sins were in the future at that time, then it would, that kind of determines that all of our future sins were included in that. It doesn't start counting when we become Christian, right? <laughs> see what yes. this uh okay we got lee here he's gonna be gonna be late but uh better late than never we'll we'll see how you know if he gets on um so um if there were all of our sins are in the future um what would make somebody want to tell you differently kind of a zinger a trick question just to ponder you know you, you know you think about this you know what what would make somebody tell you something contrary to this what would be the motivation that you know, I mean, I, we don't have to really answer that because I don't really think there's a positive answer. But uh, error, erroneous teaching, erroneous thought, not looking closely at what's written. I, I don't know how how to justify it, but uh, well, that pretty much covers it, though. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't I don't know how you could go to, a, you know, be taught at a school for so long and pull these things so far out of context. But Anyhow, you know, it's just, it's good to rejoice in the truth. That's the bottom line. And, uh, you know, we, you can't spend too much time pondering the lies because then you just go down this rabbit hole, <laughs> you know, just like, oh, why, why is it this way? But God teaches us why the world is the way it is. And, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're living amongst spiritually dead people. It's like a land of the walking dead out there. You know, I mean, if you're preaching the truth, in the gospel, they want to they want to eat you alive, and they want to they want to silence you and and uh, get rid of you, you know. And there's that, and then I think there are some well-meaning, plenty of well-meaning preachers that have been taught wrong themselves, and they're just teaching it the way they were taught. Yeah, so maybe you have like this central source of teaching that's wrong, Not to and it mention, needs to be corrected. Like we talk about, you know, there kind of needs to be a reformation of Christianity out there because it's just there's so many avenues that need help, you know, to free us from the confines of our condemnation and uh, legalism, right? <laughs> right, and not to mention the Holy Spirit has to open your eyes to truth, and like the Bible tells us that. Um, each of us has been given different measures of grace yep. and understanding. Um, you know, Paul had, we're told Paul had the most. That's why he went out and preached to the Gentiles who'd never heard of Jesus. And gave him the right hand of fellowship. Right. When they recognized his grace. Yes. So some people just simply don't, their eyes haven't been opened yet to the full truth. Yeah, some people have been, their eyes have been open to, you know, nearly any truth. Others are still infants. Others are still growing. Uh, but, you know, shouldn't, ought we want to go on to spiritual maturity the way Paul describes? Or do we want to just be stuck in this place where, you know, we haven't really understood the fullness of the love that God has? Do we really want to be stuck in this place where all we can think about is our own sin? 
you know, the, the scripture tells us not to do that. It's teaching us what spiritual living for God looks like. And as we dig in, we're going to find more out about that. And you and I were talking yesterday about how <clears throat> Paul was always encouraging in his letters, the uh, these churches for everyone to move on to maturity. His goal was to help them yep. move from infants that are being bottle fed to uh, mature adults in Christ that can eat meat and have more understanding. Yeah. Um, but again, it all. And what is that maturity? What does it look like? Does well, it look like piousness? Does it look like uh, you've cleaned up your act? Or does it look like you fully understand the grace of God? And those things came as a result of that, you know? Right. It's all inward. It's the knowledge that you have inward. Because Paul, as you, you brought up, Paul considered his knowledge of Judaism to be nothing, filth, rubbish, all that he had learned. And he knew everything about the law. So he knew every element of the law that was supposed to please God. And he considered it filth, rubbish, because he knew that he, God was looking for a change of heart. Right. You know, we talk about that in our uh, the heart of Jesus Christ is still beating. We talk a lot about it. And some of the passages at the end of this study are going to get so, into it. I know we, we want to move forward, but I just want to point out, I think the best thing we can do as Christians for ourselves and for others, for those we love and for our, our enemies is to pray for God to open the eyes of their heart to mm -hmm. all truth. Because that's the only way it can happen. We're all walking zombies. Yeah. Less God comes along and opens, yep. and brings us to life. Yeah. And so we want life. We need to be reborn. Yeah. Amen. And in a spiritual rebirth doesn't uh, doesn't happen by choice, right? I mean, be, when we were born, did we choose to be? No. I mean, a spiritual rebirth is something that occurs, and it's a miracle. It's the miracle of life that God gives us. Not you know, the second one, the first one was a miracle. If, if people, anytime people have experienced it, they a lot of times say like, now I understand, now I believe God because they've seen this miracle. But when you've seen somebody go from darkness to light, you've seen a completely different miracle. Now you have seen God. You've seen the work of God um, in spirit, not just in, in the world or the reality, right? Right. Glad you mentioned that, Dad, because yeah, we need rebirth and so that's that's what we're you know about here, and we're gonna dig into this study, and you're gonna you're gonna hear things, and uh, and I pray that uh, those out there have the ears to hear this because it's incredible news. You know, don't hang on to garbage. You know, don't somebody give you a buffet of beautiful food? Would you say, uh, uh, "Where's the garbage? I want some garbage." You know, <laughs> like no, let's stay away from the garbage. Let's take in the buffet of grace. And be praying that you can discern what is garbage and what is gourmet, right? Amen. So uh, uh, getting back to the to the study, how long have those God has made holy been perfected for? How long have you been perfected for as a Christian based on this passage alone? And, and we'll get into more. What does the passage say? I mean, that's just that's let the passage answer it, right? What does the passage say about that? Through the sacrifice that Christ made for us. Through that, but uh, but uh, the uh, what was the question? How long have we have oh. those who have been made holy been perfected for? I should have notated which verse it was to be easier to find. <laughs> Because I, I always find myself digging around, like, oh, where was that? Because it's a pretty long, lengthy passage that we went through. Can you find it, Melissa? Well, it, are you looking for an answer such as as long as we've been reborn? Or is it when we were in our mother's womb? Because he already knew. Well, yeah, as far as when. Um, but how long? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, to your point, he, he chose us before birth, but, uh, what it says is by, for in verse 14 of chapter 10, it says for by one offering, he has perfected for all time, those who are made holy. So how long are you perfected for? Um, you know, can you, can you fall out of that? Can you fall out of that position of grace? 
you know, are, are you like a year from now going to suddenly not be so perfect in God's eyes? Are you going to, is he going to look at you and be like, hmm, you know, I, I thought he was one of mine, but man, I think I'm going to have to toss this one. <laughs> what do you guys think? I mean, do you think that we can take that literally or is, it, is there some kind of hidden meaning there? I think it seems pretty clear. Yeah, Jesus is pretty straightforward, isn't he? We've been made perfect forever. So let that resonate. Perfect forever. Perfect forever. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's that's hard to get around that passage when you're preaching legalism. <laughs> we better just skip that one and uh, go on to how much better you need to be today. <laughs> well, I think it's important to take the Bible literally. And, and take what Jesus says. Well, in context. In context. You know, yes. you don't want to gouge out your eye like in the Sermon on the Mount. No. Right. But what is he looking at what he's actually saying there? So, yes, I have to be careful. Literally in context. He Literally did mean it. Context. He did mean it. It would be better to gouge out your right. eye than to, you know, and to enter into heaven without it than to enter into hell. He was serious, no doubt. Right. But what did he mean? You know, and that's so that's what we got to dig in. Literally into. in its context. And when he says forever, it, it means forever. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of teachings that say otherwise. But uh, we're hoping to help people come back to to truth and come back to the understanding that when that Jesus is being literal yeah. in his context, he's saying forever and that means forever. So we should trust. Mm hmm. So, so who are they talking about? Who's been made holy by God? The people who were good and did good things? Was it people that were um, outwardly righteous? Who's been made holy by God? The, who's the ones that have been made perfect forever? The ones who have been made holy? Who are they? They are the children of God. Yeah. The people who believe in Christ. They believe he was the sacrifice, right? All we have to do is to, to really believe that, you know, we, we hear it all the time that we're forgiven. Everybody can recite that Jesus died for my sins, but do you really believe it? That's the question. Do you really believe that he died for all of your sins? Do you really believe that you're perfect forever? When you, when you have your interactions daily with God, do you really believe that he sees you as perfect? Or do you believe something different that somebody told you? <laughs> How much more perfect can you be than, than this in God's view? How much more perfect or er? Is there a word called perfect or er? <laughs> can you become more perfect than perfect? Is that even possible? Would they have used a word like perfect and then left room to gain? Is there more than 100%? I mean, if there if there was more than 100%, we are it. We're probably like 110% perfect, if anything. <laughs> right? I well, mean. Perfect is meant to be the ultimate standard, isn't it? Yeah. 100%. It's perfect. So you can't get beyond that. He's already brought you everywhere you need to be. So how much more is there to achieve there? Oh, are you? What are you working towards if you're already perfect? The whole point of this was to give you rest, rest, so that you never no, no longer felt like you were competing for God's love, for God's mercy. You no longer felt like you're competing. When you're no longer competing, you're relaxed, and you're going to do things from the heart. That was the point. He, what he was trying to teach them, because you know the, the Hebrews, they were Israelites. They were under law. They understood law. They didn't understand grace. Grace was a new teaching to them. And so he's teaching these people who are born to work for salvation. And this was a stumbling block. God never meant people to work for their salvation. It was faith all along, but the law caused them to stumble and put a stumbling block in their place. And it was so that sin would increase. They would become aware of it. And then they would find a need for a savior. But that was only to those who would have the ears to hear and the eyes to see. The rest of them were going to stumble. And they were going to fall for a works-based salvation. They were going to start achieving more and, uh, and trying to achieve more. But you as, can see how, as hard. Paul said, you know, the, you know um, that sin increases under the law. And then that in uh, in Titus he teaches us that grace teaches 
uh, self-control and good living. So if you really want to turn away from sin, if you truly, you know, come to the faith and realize like, I don't like sin anymore. And, and you don't as a Christian, our hearts have been changed. We don't want sin, but if you truly want to be better, you got to follow grace. You got to step away from the works of the law because otherwise you're increasing your sin. You're increasing your desire to sin. All your mind is going to be consumed. And if you do manage to stop that sin, you're still going to be thinking about it constantly because because that's what the law does and that's what it teaches us in scripture. You can see how hard it was for the um, for the Jews at that time to make a change. Change is hard. I think everyone would agree. And it was yep. very hard for them to wait. What? We don't have to do all these these. Uh, what is it? Six hundred and. 13, 13 yeah. uh, laws we've been doing all this time and our ancestors have been doing. What do you mean? It, it can be very hard to wrap your mind around change, but mm-hmm. it is well, even necessary. The Paul, with the, they, you could call it Galatianism. They wanted to mix law and grace. Mm-hmm. The, the false teachers were coming in saying, well, yeah, you know, you're saved by grace, but you need to be circumcised. It'd be just like saying, well, we're saved by grace, but we should still stay away from shellfish. You know, that was just good teaching, you know, but but we're, we're not satisfying God by the law anymore. There's a twofold. We're no longer satisfying uh, God by obeying the law and uh, we're no longer paying a penalty. You know, if, if you're under law, uh, there's a penalty to a law, just like there's a penalty with a speeding ticket. You've got to pay a fine and you're getting paid. You're getting paid for your obedience to the law in, uh, in wrath and punishment. Uh, the wages of sin is death, and that's what comes from the law. Law produces sin, and sin produces death. So you're getting paid for following the law. It's just not the the price that you thought you were going to get. <laughs> and with grace, we get paid in God's love. Right. But what's better than that? So we got to set aside our humanness and our resistance to change and follow God. And Amen. again, that can only be done by... By, uh, by grace. Grace. Oh, God. So in Hebrews 10, 17, it reads, uh, then he says, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no longer. Now, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. So is God still keeping track of our sins? No. No. I mean, it's, you know, you, you don't have to believe us, but we're just agreeing with scripture. You know, I mean, if you, if you tell somebody this and they, they say, no, you're wrong, you're, all they're telling you is, no, Scripture's wrong. God's wrong. Don't believe him. I don't know. It's very clearly written here. And we have to understand these passages so that when we run into more difficult passages, we can make clarity of them. You understand the more difficult ones in light of these, because these are written very clearly. When you come across a passage that's not clear, you have to shut it into context, you know? So it's important. These passages are important. They're very important and they're extremely powerful and amazing. And when you think about that, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no longer. So he's not just looking past them. He's erased them. He's not even, right. he's not, they're not in the background for him to pull out later and hold against you. Yeah, God he's doesn't have dementia. He's no not more. like, oh, you know, I, I, something happened and I no longer remember them. Not like he can't see. He's not an idiot, but he sees you now differently. He he's sees choosing. you differently. And we get into that on the, you know, when we talk about the heart, when we talk about life in Christ and all these things. <sighs> Uh, he sees us differently. And so, you know, would we want to keep track of our sins for him? <laughs> when, oh. when you know that you're dealing with a holy God who, you know, his standard is so much higher than ours. Uh, if, if you had a judge in court and he said, you know what, I'm letting you free of everything that you've done from here on out, would you start bringing him a list to help remind him? <laughs> that would be that would be inconceivable. <laughs> yeah, I would I would probably be, be more inclined to just be grateful, you know, and thank him every time something happens. Thank him. Be like, you know, I really appreciate what you did. Let's just keep it at that. <laughs> I know you know what I'm doing. <laughs> so is, is Christ going to offer himself again based on that passage that we just read? 
Why? Mm -hmm. How do we know that based on that passage? Well, it tells us point blank. Now, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. No offering is left. So that means no animal sacrifices are going to work anymore. No religious uh, activity, such as, you know, gaining forgiveness through asking, through confession, through a priest, whether it's through a priest going to God for forgiveness or whether you think you can go straight to God for forgiveness. There's nothing, there's nothing left. They've all been forgiven. So what are you doing? What are you doing? We're, we're, um, we're treating him like a human relationship when we do that. You know, you feel bad when you hurt the feelings of your spouse or your friend and you want to apologize. And, but we have to. And those are good Christian those are ways good things to do. The apostles clearly know that everybody didn't stop sinning. The apostle Paul wouldn't have written so much about how to act spiritually is teaching them spiritually, but they weren't going to understand. It was going to fall on deaf ears on unbelievers but he, he taught them spiritually so that they could go on to do good. And he, he helped the, the spirit. He was working through the spirit and with the spirit to teach them. The spirit teaches us how to be good, you know, right. and the apostle Paul used the spirit because he was the spirit. And but so, so would to... you, would you want Christ to offer himself again as a sacrifice? What does that look like? If they say there's no longer any uh, offering for sin, Christ made it once and for all. What are you really, what are you really implying when you're asking for forgiveness? Are you implying that you'd like him to get back up there and suffer again? That it wasn't enough. That you know the blood of bulls and goats maybe was a little more powerful than his, and and maybe his only lasts an hour or two. I mean, think about the what we're implying when we do that. When we when we take that action. And what's the focus? What's the motivation? What's the influence? What's making us want to do that? What would make you ask for something that you already have? Not realizing you have it. Exactly. So you don't believe it. You need to believe. Believe in the forgiveness. And to your point, to, to answer your question, yes, that is what we would be asking him to do. We need to realize that. We need to Pray for understanding to wake up and realize that when we are asking for Christ to forgive us, we are asking him to get back up on that cross and go through that horror all over again. Yeah. And if you if someone were to realize that, that ought to help you to think, oh, this isn't the right uh, response. This isn't the right reaction. I should, I should yeah. be saying thank you. Yeah. That he did go through that horror and it is finished, like he said. Amen. Amen. Do you want to read I Hebrews? Think people, I think people who like living by law are more likely to fall deeper into sin because of the things that the law can cause them to believe in their mind that they're doing so good. Yeah. That they start becoming egos thing you know like oh i'm a great person because i did this you know right right but you know as scripture teaches if, if they were to read the the passages that tell us that you can't just uh you can't just follow one or two laws that you that you like and call yourself good you got to follow all of them and there's 613 yeah. commands in scripture i mean how much clearer could god have made it there there was nobody doing that there was nobody making it, and they just could not, many, many could not see the point. They, they was, the stumbling block caused them to stumble. They couldn't see the point, and they still didn't see the point when Jesus told them. He told them the point, and they crucified him. <laughs> they, they didn't like it. Like you said, some people like the law. They don't want to let go, and they get pretty nasty when you preach grace. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like they cling to it really heavy uh, yeah you don't want to let go it becomes part of you you know and starts defining you but who do you want to be defined by or what do you want to be defined by i mean we need to find our identity in christ that's how we live under grace we don't find our identity through obedience to the law that's a whole different identity and that identity doesn't attach you to anything good and don't you think dad when people are following the law and they're like you said, it starts to bring out sin. 
Um, some of that sin would be um, kind of the way they treat other people and the way they see themselves. Their focus starts to be on themselves being so great. Right. That's Doesn't it make you a little crabby too? I mean, I feel like I'd be pretty crabby if I if I was trying to do that. You'd kind of go one of two ways. You're being tormented by it or you're becoming built up in self-righteousness by being ignorant about the law, ignorant about how severe it really is. There's two ways you can go. You could just go on in ignorance, thinking highly of yourself, or you can just go on uh, in reality, looking at it and becoming tormented by it and suffering because I cannot do this. I need a, I need relief, but that's the good. That's what the law should be doing. That's what you, that's what the law, you want the law to be doing in somebody's life is leading them to the point of torment. They're being tormented by it because now, now they're ready for grace. But the Pharisees were the prime example of what happens when you become ignorant to it. When you start making your own rules, you kind of create your own you know, form of the law that you can live up to. And in, in essence, you're actually uh, turning to another God altogether because God didn't make the law that way. You you made it your own way. So you're it's pretty right. much I'm worshiping at that point. Are you worshiping the true living God when you manipulate his laws? But I mean, the more the more they do that, the, the worse it gets and the more. Yeah, it just gets worse and worse. Worse and worse. Well, look what happened. Then the Pharisees, the prime example of the most pious people you'll ever meet, what did they end up doing? They ended up crucifying our Lord. Torturing and crucifying. Because they were so wrapped up in themselves. I mean, that's like at the when you get (laughs) of course they couldn't crucify him, so they had to call on the Romans. They had to get all political. Like, well, we we can't crucify him because he didn't do anything wrong. Right. <laughs> but you can. Let's hand him over to the Romans to torture and crucify him. But it's interesting, and yes, and isn't it interesting to think so somebody that is trying to live up to the law and, and achieve uh the highest level of the law, what are they aspiring to? Well, logically, you think, well, it would be the uh, most pious people you can think of. They must be aspiring to be Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you think, well, why? The Pharisees are the ones who killed Christ. Right. I mean, so why would you want to aspire to but, that? And people worshipped them. I thought they were great. People thought they were great. They held them in high regards. But what did Jesus say about the Pharisees? Vipers. Vipers. That their throats were like open graves. Hypocrites. You call them hypocrites. So, so you know, you God has a different vantage point than people do. Sometimes the people that we hold in high regards, God would not think the same way. And we should probably follow what God's thinking. Right. He also called them whitewashed tombs because like that one. Because <laughs> you didn't mess around. They are sparkling <laughs> clean on the outside, so it seems, but on the inside, their hearts are. Yeah, open graves. Open graves. Yeah. Well, let's hit some more Hebrews. Uh, verse 1026 says, uh, if we deliberately keep on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, no further sacrifice for sins is left for us. Only a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume God's enemies. Someone who rejected the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much greater punishment do you think that person deserves who has contempt for the Son of God and profanes the blood of the covenant that made him holy and insults the spirit of grace? For we know the one who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So who who are they talking about here? Who Who is there no longer any sacrifice left for? You know, he's, he's talking to a Jewish audience. He's talking to the Hebrews. So there, who would be, who would there no longer be any sacrifice left for? Those who don't believe in Christ. Yeah, the non-believers. And they, and they go back to the temple, you know, to make their sacrifices. And they, there's no longer a sacrifice. He's basically telling them it's over. The temple worship. The sacrifices, the offerings, the law, it's over. So when he was on Can you imagine how happy, you know, the Pharisees would have been to receive this message? Probably not very happy. 
No. <laughs> Hence the persecution that was going on in those days. You know, you, you don't tell the Pharisees that, sorry, guys, the gig is up. You know, it's over. And, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> you can go home now. <laughs> and so focused on themselves and holding themselves up in high regard, then, then they could have been rejoicing. Yeah. Believers. Welcome to the call, Lee. Hey, thanks. Sorry I'm late. Hey, no problem. You, you popped right in at uh, Hebrews 10.26. Uh, we just read through that, and we were looking at uh, who there was no sacrifice left for, and we were just talking about how there was no sacrifice left for the Jewish uh, community who didn't believe in Christ. They could go back to the temple worship, but there was their sacrifices were no longer any good. The law is fulfilled. It's, it's over. You guys can go home. And how happy they must have been to receive that news. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if they come to the knowledge of the truth, if you come to the knowledge of the Messiah arriving, and you yep. reject the Messiah, what's left? Nothing. There's nothing now why there. do they work? Why why do they go to synagogue every week? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, what are they waiting for? What are they waiting for? Yeah. Well, you know, there's more more problems than that, too, because, uh, you know, the main temple was destroyed in 70 AD. So that presents a, a little bit more of a dilemma, too, these days. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it wasn't what an accident it? that that temple was destroyed. If it was built uh, to stand by the true living God, it would still be there. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I don't know. I don't know. How do you explain it to them? Um, spiritually and hopefully. <laughs> they forgot to open <laughs> the eyes of their hearts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you could do that. Yes, you could try it. Yeah. But I'm I mean, still having a... I'm, God can do yeah. it. God can do it. He did it with Paul, so... Well, well he did it with several, because uh, it wasn't all Israel that... Uh, that didn't uh that didn't believe right it wasn't all israel it was just uh these select um individuals but i mean paul being a being a murderer you know he's a he's a pretty good success story for god uh, yeah. i consider him part of god's success story i was thinking about it the other day like uh you know are you part of humanity's failings or are you part of god's success story you know, right. you become a Christian, you're part of the success story. You can stop feeling like a failure. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, the New Testament, it goes over and over. It's going over and over again in every in every letter, almost every book uh, to reassure uh, the believer in case there's any doubt. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. it's, con it's, con it's constantly telling you how much you can be sure of your uh of your place in christ amen you know and you can't get any more of a guarantee uh of that than when god tells you that it's it's not because of you <laughs> it's not yeah. because of any good and not because of any good you've done right you know yeah and yeah you gotta you take look, away all sense of pride you know i mean yeah i mean let, let's be honest you know if you if you really believe that you you made a choice for christ and you know, you'd be proud that you turned your life around. You'd be proud of all that came from that decision. You'd be mm -hmm. proud of it. If not to others, you know, you may, be able, you may be able to hide it to others, but let's just be honest with ourselves. You'd be proud of yourself and the decision that you made and yep. uh, the result that came from it. But where mm -hmm. did it really come from? We, we ought to acknowledge where that came from and not be taking credit for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's telling. It's telling when people when people tell you uh, people tell you in such and such a way, I did this or I did that. I gave my life to Christ. You know, uh, Christ didn't ask for your life. <laughs> he didn't ask for your life. He didn't ask for your life. You yeah, know, in he, fact, he, Scripture says He crucified us when we come to believe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he killed you. Yeah, He asked for you. He, he asked for your death because you needed he asked to be for your born again. <laughs> yeah 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 for your death in exchange for your death he's going to give you his life and his yep. life is eternal that's a great exchange that's and a very that's a good, good point 
<laughs> Very good that's point. A good, <laughs> it's a good deal. I mean, what, what deal is better than that? <laughs> that's a very good point that point needs correction yes i i gave my life to christ no he he never asked no, for your life he, he never asked him, for your life you gave uh -huh. him unrighteousness he, but i mean right. even that, he took it he's like here i'm taking right. this you right. probably wouldn't let it go if it was up to you you'd be like no i want that <laughs> <laughs> you want it no, no, you can't have it right <laughs> He wanted our he death wanted so that he could give us his life. Exactly. Yeah. And he took, and he not only took your death, he took your sins upon himself. He took your death and he gave you, and in place of your sins, he gave you forgiveness. He gave you his righteousness. He gives you his life through his resurrection. I mean, yeah. you got, you got a sweet deal there. Why, why won't yeah. you take it? <laughs> you know, yeah. why, why won't you take it? Amen. You got a sweet deal. But it, it has you to be, Yeah, Go it ahead. has to be understood. It has to be understood because yeah. you could think, oh, well, he wants me dead? What kind of God wants me dead? But when you realize that in our current state, we're doomed. We already are dead. Yeah, we're born dead. We're born That's dead. That's the perfect title. That's a perfect title for a book. Born dead. You know, born dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> because it's a, read that one. <laughs> well, because it's an ox it's an oxymoron because you you know you're born, but you're dead. You're born yeah. dead. And you have to be born again to be born alive. Yeah, yeah. You we were see, talking about see? that earlier. Yeah. Well, before we go into total freelance, I, I want, we have a couple questions left about this passage. But I, I definitely want to continue this conversation. But just to clarify what we just read, um, who, how do we deliberately keep on sinning? You know, we, we read in First John, he, he speaks the same way uh, about, you know, how we can continue sinning. So, but according to this passage, how do we deliberately keep on sinning if we look at it in its context? Is, the, is he well, saying that, that uh, you know, that if we go on and, and keep sinning, physically that uh there's no further sacrifice what does he mean well you have well first of all you have to chop that up you have to say well if he mean if he means sinning as far as behavior then uh then how do you how do you become born again right you see what i mean what what did yeah. you do what did you stop doing to be to get saved zero nothing exactly yeah. What did you stop doing to get saved? Yeah. How do you how do you earn an inheritance? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. How do you earn salvation an inheritance? Came as a as an inheritance. Has anybody what ever you... earned an inheritance? Exactly. Nobody earned an inheritance. That's like earning your Christmas gifts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, <laughs> you can't earn that. You didn't get any this year, did you? This last year, did you, Lee? No, I didn't get a lot. And I, <laughs> I should be, I should be, I should be feeling some kind of way. <laughs> but no, I don't. <laughs> but I don't. I, I just teasing. I'm teasing you. I should be upset, but I'm not. Well, essentially, I'm not. <laughs> essentially, we you know deliberately keep it on sinning. And he's talking about unbelief. You're continuing uh -huh. in your sin when you don't come to belief. Exactly. And, uh, Very good. John, he goes into great detail about that. If anybody needs confirmation, and we're actually going to be doing a, a a study guide specific on that. We're switching it up, and we're going to do a, a First John one nine study, and it's actually incredibly good. There's so much to gain from First John, uh, apart from legalism, you know. And it, he just his letter gets ruined, you know. But anyhow. Um, but um, regarding this passage here. Um, I'm going to have a blank spot in my mind for a minute here. Um, oh, yes. So to Lee's point there, um, through all things in light of the gospel and through process of uh, testing the spirit and process of elimination, we yeah. can determine he's not talking about physical sin. The only logical explanation in light of the gospel is unbelief. Yeah, absolutely. That's, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Pass from death to life. You're you're not you pass from death to life. You've 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 repented. 
which means to change your mind, right? Yeah. To change your mind. Study guide on that too, because of all that. Yeah. Talk. You know, we you, the, to have to have a whole ministry correcting all the other ones. It's it's really, it, you know, but it's good. It's good because we're rejoicing all the way. But uh, well, it's it's, it's <laughs> like uh, well, it's like Paul. Uh, was was it was it? Well, I forget who said it, but it was you know. The old, the old, the old, the uh, iron sharpens, sharpens iron passage. Yeah. I forget who says it, though. I forget who said it. But iron sharpens iron. I know what you're talking about. And I think it was. Uh, hmm. Homework for next time. Was it Peter? I can't remember. Yeah. It's not coming to me. That one up. I got a good one for you guys on Ezekiel, though, that we can talk about. And this one will bring up all kinds of goods. So I, we're, we're getting into just the passages. I don't know if you had a chance to print it, it print it up, but we're, we're past Hebrews now. And we're just getting into these, these passages. And I didn't put any questions on them. I just thought we would just, we'll just talk about, you know, we'll go through them and we'll talk about them and we'll get as far as we get. Well, you didn't finish the questions for Hebrew. Yeah, because we already talked about them all. Oh, we actually. did? Yeah, looking at them, I'm, yeah, we already talked about all right. all that. <laughs> so now it's time to just talk about uh, our, our the goodness of what we have in Christ. And so anybody yeah. want to read Ezekiel 36, 26? This is, this is an excellent prophetic passage from the Old Testament about what we are going to receive as Christians and that we now have. Well, I'll do the honors of reading Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give okay. you a new. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your body and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. So when you hear that, it's like Lisa, that's a pretty sweet deal. I think it's okay if God wants to take our life and give us his. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Exactly. He gave us a heart transplant. He took our old heart, put a new one in us. He gave us a new spirit. And then he put his spirit in us. And so now we're one with his. Our spirit is one with his. So we are one spirit. We, I mean... That's that's incredible. So when did this all take place? Here's some trivia uh, for you guys. I know you know the answer. When did this take place before or after you made a decision for Christ? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, my gosh. Well, that according to the Bible, according to the Bible. Right. Right. But, you know, that terminology always throws me off. (laughs) <laughs> you know when you say decision, decision for, Christ. for Christ yeah yeah I threw that, that one in there just to just to agitate but uh, yeah because you'll never hear Jesus say everyone who makes a decision for me shall have eternal life right <laughs> that's not when, what he let's said. just say it the accurate way let's say it the accurate way when you came sure. to faith when you came to faith in Christ and you believed uh-huh. in what he did you believed in it you you didn't just say I understand that Christ died for all my sins and go on with religion. You, you believed right. it, you know, when you believed it, um, was, you know, when did that take place before or after the, the heart transplant? When we mean when he said it, uh, when you, when you believed it, why did you believe it? Uh, no, the heart transplant took, uh, took place first. Yeah. He had to give you a new heart, you know, and we, we yep. go through that in the heart study guide. I just, I just figured I'd throw that one in there because it's, it's important because if it was something that we decided before that we could boast about it, he had to give us a heart transplant for yep. us to come to that intellectual knowledge. It didn't in the come first from place. our old self. He had to kill Absolutely. our old self and then raise us yep. up. And then we were like, yep. I believe. Ooh. Yeah lot to brag about <laughs> yeah. otherwise otherwise because jesus already discussed people who who can just give verbal assent to something that they really don't believe yeah well, you know exactly. he already discussed that and that's why jesus says not all of you who say to me in that day lord lord will enter to the kingdom of heaven if that was all it took then yeah anybody at any time could be yeah. could be believers including but that's Lucifer, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, obviously, the devil yeah. and the demons believe they shudder at his name. And they course. shudder. 
Yeah, they <laughs> shudder and shiver. Yeah, they they know. So, but everybody can't. It, it has to come from the heart. It can't coming from the lips. That's yeah. one thing. But it has to come from the heart. If a person yeah. believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And if you and then you that's when you're gonna confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. You know? Amen. But uh, you but but it's, it's not that that doesn't mean that you can't say things that uh, sounds like a, like the faith and then really don't believe it in the heart. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's what's I, in the heart. Here here's two more passages before we get too far along. These are these are great. I mean, that, the, to me, these two like really just put the last nail in the in the coffin, the proverbial coffin for our old selves. And teach us how forgiven we really are. Look at this. Isaiah 43, 25. And these are both just prophecies of what was to come. These, these guys couldn't even see it clearly, but they proclaimed it. And now we can look at it in, in, in light of what we have and understand it. Uh, so Isaiah said, I, I am the one who blots out your rebellious deeds for my sake. Your sins I do not remember. So this is God talking. This is Jesus talking. Your sins, he says I do not remember. I will blot. He blots them out for his sake. <laughs> I like how he says I twice. I, I am the one. Yeah. Who am I? I am the one who blots out your rebellion. <laughs> and it's for my sake. Your sins, I do not remember. And if you look at something blotting, like you're soaking it up, right? So, I mean, it'd right. be like, dipping something into something and it soaks it all up. He took it all in for us, for his sake. He didn't say for our sake, for his sake, because yeah. he's pleased with That's us. Right. He wanted a relationship with us. And, uh, you know, of course that benefits us, but it was for his sake that he did it. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then in Psalms, uh, one last one, and we can, we can chat about them a little bit. Uh, as far as the Eastern horizon is from the West, so he removes the guilt of our rebellious actions from us. The guilt. Is anybody out there feeling guilty still before God? Well, read this passage. Why would he removed that? He removed it. Why would they say that? Why is that important? Because of what Peter said. Uh, he says, any man who does not have these things, all these, when he says to add to your faith, goodness, kindness, brotherly kindness, uh, and all these other things he tells you to add to your faith, he says that person is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that they have been cleansed from their, their past sins. Good one. Good one. You know? Yeah. And, and, you, and can a, so can a Christian become nearsighted and blind and forget yeah. that, they've, uh, that they've been cleansed from their, their sins? And Yeah. According to, to the scripture, yeah. Yeah. You can't. Well, we're still living here in this fallen world. We still have these earthly bodies and we still get tempted and misled by false falseness, right? Exactly. Well, that's why the Apostle Paul encourages and admonishes uh, the believers to uh, uh, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the only way you can renew your mind that I know of is from was what God teaches you. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's the only way. I'm not sorry. It's, it's, that's the only way. That's yeah. the only way. That's the only way. All of us, and we can all make. That doesn't mean you're going to walk around in sinless perfection. Every thought is going to be pure. Every word is going to be the right word, placed in the right place at the right time to the right person. Doesn't mean that. No. No. Mm -hmm. No. 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 The issue is focus, you know, and the issue is reminding yourself who you are, how do you get, how you became that way, what Christ did for you. It's all Christ. Mm -hmm. We can't do that. Oh, uh, Lee's mic went out. Well, well, I think I, I wanted think to be right back. But <laughs> I wanted to add to what he was saying that I had a phone, I had a phone call coming in here. Oh yeah, that gets you every time. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not I'm not on the computer. I'm not on the computer. I'm on the yep. phone. Yeah. I wanted to add that um, 
that's why Paul says um, so earnestly that we have to cling, constantly cling to Christ. Right. Right. Exactly. How do we do that? Well, we remind ourselves what Christ did for us constantly, what he did for us, what that means. Yeah. You know, and uh, and what he teaches us about teaching when he says that to cling. That's that's a spiritual uh, motion that we go through. And he's he's trying to teach us what it looks like to be spiritual. When you when you're when you're guided by the spirit, you're clinging to those things. Exactly. so So he's teaching you what it looks like, you know, because we can't we don't understand it. You know, it doesn't mean that with all of our human might, we have to cling. It just means like, you know, that's that's what it's going to look like, you know. Right. He's, he's, it's spiritual teaching. You know, you could be afraid by that and think, i got to cling. Oh, man, I'm not clinging very well. I feel like I'm hanging by a thread. Well, right. Well, See, now they're making a work out of that. You're making yeah, a law out of that. It's not a law. So we have that's to discern not a law. It spiritually. That's, we have to look at it that's spiritually. It. Exactly. And that's, you got to remember, you got to take it in the context in which it's given. It's given to you as, as an admonishment, as instruction, as encouragement. Yep. It's not given to you as a law. These things right. are not laws. The, none of these, none of these things Paul tells you to do is a law. No, so if it's a law, there has any. to be a penalty, you know? There's right. no penalty. Right. There, there has to be a penalty. <laughs> and you're never you're gonna you're never gonna read the New Testament. Thou shalt do this and thou shalt do that. And it, you know, you're not gonna hear that. Right. You know, he says, I encourage you and I encourage you daily and admonish you to do this and to do that, but not let this be done and let the let this be done in an orderly fashion. Let it. Yep. <laughs> but he didn't say thou shalt. In the Old Testament, you're going to hear a lot of thou shalt do this. Well, then even, even Jesus, you know, yeah. he said a lot of things that we have to discern. But in John 5, yeah. 24, he, he lays mm-hmm. it out very clearly. He says, I tell you the solemn truth. The one who hears my message and believes the one who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. But has crossed right. over from death to life. So you yep. will not be condemned. You've crossed from death to life. He yep. raised you from the dead. Yep. And then, and then, uh, you know, they're they're at the at the time of this part. They 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 were trying to figure out like if, if you had the Lord walking with you, you'd want to ask him, well, what can we do to do the works of God? You know, because you yep. know they're following the law, they're used to work. So they said, so they said to him, what must we do to accomplish the deeds God requires? And and what did and Jesus what was- say? <laughs> The work, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that God has sent. Yeah, is it, and it's that simple. And so, you know, he mentions that in despite of the Sermon on the Mount. He mentions this. But even before he delivered the Sermon on the Mount, he, he, he told them, you know, the, the, I, I came to fulfill the law. He let them know what was happening. I came here to fulfill the law. And then he goes on to make the law seem dreadfully horrible. but if they spiritually understood what he was saying they would they had the good news before he even gave that to them Mm -hmm. but they didn't understand it you know they that had been a pretty terrifying sermon for a lot of people like oh man and you you, 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 there's no secret why they would have asked him something like this what must we do to do the works of god and then he tells them this you got to believe yep. that he's just giving them little tidbits of good news left and right, but they couldn't understand it until the spirit came. You know, they, they had to be spiritually discerned. Our human minds can't wrap around this stuff. Yeah, exactly. And how can, uh, and how, 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 how were they going to react when Jesus tells them in that same chapter that uh, no one can come to me unless the father who sent, sent you, <laughs> That's the father who sent me draws yeah. that person. Right. Yeah. Now, how would you a person take that? How would a person take that? How, <laughs> how are you supposed to take that? Especially if you think you're the one coming and it's something that you have to do. It's yeah. a choice that you have to make. Well, then Jesus says here, well, then hear this. For those who think that way, hear this. Well, no wait. one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws that person. All right. Well, we made it to our hour mark. So, uh, you know, it looks like we uh, we still have a lot of passages that we can cover on forgiveness, but we're going to we're going to stop this study here.
um, uh, for, you know, just for sake of time, we're, we're making a strong effort to keep these about an hour long. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> stay tuned because we'll be talking more about the forgiveness issue in the, in the future uh, at ibletuddy.net, uh, Bible study without the baloney sandwich. Thank you for being on the call and we look forward to, to having you back on board again.